podcasts are pretty common. So what makes the Uncommon Podcast uncommon? Well, it's all in our name. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and we at Uncommon Sports Group understand the unique pressures and temptations that come with a career in the sport industry. We provide Uncommon training that helps you successfully navigate common challenges. Hit the follow button on this podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Check out our website and become Uncommon. What's up, USG fam? Welcome back to the Uncommon Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and I'm excited to share with you our seventh and final release of special edition podcasts that will feature messages from our lineup of speakers during the first ever Christians Working in Sports Conference this past summer. This week will feature a message from Orlando Magic Forward and the author of the book, Why I Stand, Jonathan Isaac. In his message, Jonathan commissioned the CWS conference attendees to be bold in their faith as they were sent back out into their organizations and teams. If you like this content, you won't want to miss the 2024 Christians Working in Sports Conference on June 21st and 22nd in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Click the link in the description of this podcast to visit the CWS conference website to register or learn more about next summer's conference. With that, here's Jonathan Isaac's message from the 2023 CWS Conference. So I I do have some scriptures for us. Um, The first one that I want to open up with is Matthew 28 and 18. Um, Many of us know this verse to be the Great Commission. Um, This is Jesus's word, what he calls us to do in the earth. And it says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded of you. Um, That is the Great Commission. That is a part of what it means to be a Christian um, in today's day and what it's meant forever um, is for us to step into the world and to make disciples, to influence the people around us, But um, in today's day and age, I have noticed that that verse is harder and harder to put into practice. Um, As the world gets darker, it seems like the verse has become harder and harder to do. Um, What does it mean to truly make disciples in today's day and age? I was on the plane on the way over here, and I I had my Bible out. And I felt like the people who were walking down the aisle were like, what in the world is that? This guy has a Bible on the plane. Um, and I'm used to using my phone all the time for the Bible app and stuff. Um, but it just seems like there is a growing sense of hostility um, and taboo and uncomfortableness with the Christian faith in today's day. Um, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, it feels like the world has made a decision through media, through corporations and companies, through our government even, to go in one direction. Um, And that direction does undermine a lot of our values, a lot of the things that we hold dear. And the question is, what do we do about it? Um, And my fear is that if we are not apt to the devices of the enemy, then we will actually be complicit 
and the fall of Christianity in Western society. And so um, what I want to do is I want to talk about the enemy just a little bit, not to give him any glory, but to talk about his devices, because the Bible does tell us not to be ignorant of them. Um, and it is so easy for us to fall asleep at the wheel to culture, to society, um, to bend the knee for political correctness, to try our best to fit into the mold that the world wants us to take. Um, and in today's day and age, it does take such a, a bolder faith than it's ever, in my opinion, except for the early church, um, than it has taken in a long time. You know, the society and, you know, the world at some point in time was much more friendly when it came to Christian belief and Christian values. But it seems like today um, we are to be tolerant of everyone else, but they don't have to be tolerant of us and our values and beliefs. And so um, the Bible tells us in Matthew 11 and 12, it says the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. And uh, that's actually a verse that my pastor told me really early on with me getting to know him. Um, but to me, that verse means that the kingdom of heaven is always under attack. Um, that even when we're not realizing it, when we're not aware in our own lives, it's just individuals. One of the things that I tried my best to get the men to understand at the men's conference last night was that there is a real war that is going on specifically for men, for us not to take place, not to be effective, not to fight against the kingdom of darkness in the earth. And that's even a bigger call when it comes to Christianity as a whole. All of us Christians are under a war um, for the ushering in of the Antichrist, the ushering in of the fall of Christian, Christendom in the Western society. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5 and 8, it says, Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Um, that tells us that the devil is relentless. He doesn't care who you are or what you do. If you name the name of Christ in any capacity, even if it's a little one, even if it's, you don't do it out into the world, you just do it in your own place, there's a target on your back. And if we aren't careful, again, we'll fall asleep at the wheel um, and we'll be complicit in what's going on. We'll bend the knee. We'll, we'll go along with love is love. We'll go along with there are multiple ways to make it to heaven. We'll go along with it silently. Um, one of the speakers I talked about earlier about how at one point in time, it was okay to say Merry Christmas. But in today's day and age, things are happening. Things are changing like so fast, it seems like. Um, and at the blink of an eye, we'll be at a place where you can't shop here. You can't do this. You can't do that if you don't believe these set of things. And if we aren't equipped with a boldness, a true boldness of faith that comes by the Holy Spirit, we won't be ready um, to, to take on those, those, those times. And the only answer for us is going to be to conform. Another verse for us. Uh, actually, um, and what's interesting too is that um, we're not alone in the fact that it's easy for us to fall asleep. Um, the, the disciples did it all the time. When Jesus came, obviously, repent, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Jesus understood what was going on at the time when it came to the spirit and the natural. But these disciples that he chose had absolutely no idea. Even when Jesus was about to be captured, as he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, all of the disciples are asleep. They're asleep during war. War is going on in the spiritual realm. Jesus is about to be taken and killed. We know that it was for a purpose, but the people that he chose to carry the mantle, to 
give the Great Commission to were completely asleep. And it's easy for us, again, in today's day and, today's day and age, to be lulled to sleep completely. And the things that are happening around us, the devil's influence in our lives, the music that we listen to becomes, it's okay. The things that we watch, it becomes, it's okay. Um, and we usher in our own demise as Christians. In uh, 2 Corinthians um, 2 and 11, the Bible says, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Again, talking about being aware and vigilant to the devil's influence in our lives and us being able to come together in things like this to, to be equipped, to be ready, to hear from people. Um, I'll get into my story again a little bit later, but I've got a, I've got a unique experience with stepping out um, and trying my best to be bold, and I'm going to share a little bit more about that as we go along. Um, but what's interesting, too, I love, I love Peter, um, Peter in the Bible. Um, and the reason why in Luke 22, Jesus tells Peter um, that the devil desire, desires to sift him like wheat. And this is after Peter declared, you are the Christ. You're the son of God. You know everything that's going to happen. I will live for you. I'll die for you. And Jesus says before the, the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me. You're going to deny me. And Peter has absolutely no idea that the devil has asked for him. And I think about that in Christianity sense in the world, in the world today, us as Christians, as we sit around and we, we walk through life and we try, we, we get so consumed with things that are going on in our lives and the devil is asking for us. But we know that the devil is asking for Christianity as a whole. And but we, we honor the fact that God said that he would build his church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. But I believe that we have to be complicit and vigilant in the protecting of the kingdom of heaven and the ushering in of the kingdom of heaven and pushing back against the kingdom of darkness. But if we don't, if we aren't aware of the things that are happening, we won't be ready. I, I thought about the analogy on the plane of like, what would it really look like to be asleep during war? War for your family, war for your future. God tells us that he has a plan and a purpose for our lives, plans to prosper us, plans to give us a future. Um, all of that is up at stake, but we are asleep at the wheel. People who God has placed in our lives to minister to, to mentor, to um, influence in a positive way on campuses, on teams, um, but we're asleep at the wheel and we don't know what's going on. We don't understand our calling. We don't understand what God truly has for us. So we know that the disciples fell asleep. We know that Peter, um, again, even in another instance, uh, when Peter declares that you are the Christ, you know everything, you're, you're God, and Jesus has to tell him, I'm going away to die. And Peter says, I won't let that happen. And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan, for you do not say that you say the things of man and not the things of God. And so, again, that pinpoints Peter's lack of understanding of what is going on in the times that he's in. And I think for us, again, going back to it as Christians, it's so easy for us to, to sleep and to not understand when we walk outside these four walls and we talk about boldness and we talk about courageousness, it's not for in here. It's for out there. And um, if we're not ready, if we're not equipped, if we're not unified, and what it is that we stand for, what it is that we don't stand for, what it is that we 
allow, we don't allow, what are the things that we celebrate and don't celebrate, um, and we will be for everything. And it'll be easy to pick us apart if only one of us is standing. The big part about what I wanted to talk about is the change, because the same Peter um, that denied Jesus three times is the same Peter that went on in Acts 4 and 8 to say this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the chief cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Peter, the same man that denied Jesus three times to the face of so many people, the same person that Jesus had to say, get thee behind me, Satan, was the same person that it says filled with the Holy Spirit, stood up in front of the scribes, the Sadducees, all the religious people, and declared boldly and unashamedly that Jesus is the only way to heaven and that it was by the name of Jesus Christ that that man was healed. And I love Peter because I think about uh, myself a lot. You know, after the stand, so many people came out and called me courageous. They called me bold. They said that Jonathan Isaac is doing what everybody else should be doing. Um, and it was hard for me to hear that because I feel even in myself, and I, I, I'm going to tell you, am the most unlikely person um, to do what I did. I was terrified every single step of the way, still terrified, but I'm walking in what I believe God is calling me to do. Um, I wanted to share this a little bit before when we had the panel, but after we had that team meeting and after I stood, we had a players-only meeting. And the way that I found out about it was we went to practice, um, and we're on the bus back to the hotel. And uh, we get, I get a text message to my phone. It says, players only meeting when we get back to the hotel. I'm like, oh, shoot, I know what this is about. <laughs> so uh, I get, I'm getting off the bus, and one of my teammates taps me and says, just a heads up, this is about you. <laughs> so all my teammates have been talking. Um, we get into the players only meeting, and they're like, you mother. <laughs> um, but no, they're, they're upset and they're angry about um, the fact that they feel like I've made this entire movement or moment about myself. Um, and I've hijacked it. I've taken their, uh, their moment and made it about me. There were players that expressed that they would, they, they're not going to go out to the, uh, the uh, national anthem anymore just because of me. They don't want to kneel next to me standing. And it was hard for me. I was already on edge about everything that had happened. Again, I knew about the trials and tribulations that were going to come from it. People were going to say what they had to say, and I was distraught, but I tried my best to, to lead with, I respected your decision to kneel, and I just asked for that same respect in return. Um, it was the same thing that my pastor echoed to me after I called him on the phone crying <laughs> afterwards, after it had all happened. Um, 
But when I talk about me being the least likely person, I grew up in Bronx, New York. Um, I uh, uh, didn't grow up playing basketball per se. I did it a little bit at the rec with my, my dad and my brothers. But um, once my parents split up when I was 10, I moved from Bronx, New York to Naples, Florida. So I went from a complete black community to a complete white community. And it was really, really tough for me. My nickname upon arrival was Ethiopia. Because I was tall, I was dark, I was skinny. Um, and I really early on developed anxiety, self-insecurity, not liking myself. Um, and it wasn't until I found basketball that I was able to kind of garner all of that and push towards one goal, which is becoming a good basketball player. Um, and for me, what I thought it was going to do was that the better basketball player that I became, the more the love and the attention that I garnered from the people around me. So the girls started wanting to talk to me. Uh, dudes started wanting me to, have, to meet, me to be on their team. And so I started to make friends. But what happened was the more that I poured into it was the more that I was afraid to fail because I had found my identity and all of my worth in the game. And so I would, I would be so anxious before games. I would throw up. I would be in sweats. Um, all the way up until the point where I was the number one player in the state of Florida. And uh, uh, I got uh, recruited to play for Florida State University. And I was on anxiety medication. Nobody knew about it. Teammates didn't know. One coach knew. One teammate. One trainer. The one that I talked about. Um, Amanda Robinson. And she was one of the ones who walked me through that process. And I started going to church with her. But um, long story short, I had developed severe anxiety to play. I wasn't ready to be big man on campus. And everybody expected that of me. And it wasn't until I uh, got drafted to the NBA. I was a six-pick Jason. <laughs> to the Orlando Magic. Um, I got drafted. And I, uh, uh, don't tell me it locked on me. OK, cool. I got drafted to the Orlando Magic. Um, and I met a guy on an elevator, and he said to me, I can tell you how to be great. And I said, how? He said, you have to know Jesus. And I said, man, I know Jesus. I'm a Christian. Um, but for me, growing up, it was all about tradition. My dad was a Holy Ghost roller. I was in church all the time. Um, but it wasn't about a personal relationship with Christ that could truly transform a person. Um, and as he started to teach me about the love of God that loves us for who we are, where we are to usher us into who he wants us to become, um, nothing had changed for me. But as I started to take those steps to implement God's word into my life, shower myself with his word, um, learn what love truly looks like, um, I started to take steps in the right direction. It was really, really tough. started to orient my life in a way that I thought honored God. And one story that you'll read about in the, in the book was that I'm a rookie at the time. So I told you guys before how my nickname was Baby Jesus. I got that nickname because I was living it up when I first got drafted. I was doing you know, everything. I wanted to experience everything that the NBA had to offer. And uh, uh, I had met the guy on the elevator, started to turn my life around, started to go to his church, um, and uh, started to learn about the love of God, learn about the things of God. And so I just started to strip things from my life. Like I'm not going to the club anymore, not having sex anymore. I'm not doing any of those things. And uh, my teammates started to notice because I was in a club with them last week. And so um, one of the things was being a rookie, there's rookie hazing. So one of my jobs was I had to get condoms for certain players when we got to different cities. And so um, 
we get to, uh, it was something that I had no problem doing it before because it wasn't a second thought to me. I was just like, it is what it is. Um, but as I started to try my best to live for God, it started to become more and more comfortable for me. So I spoke to my pastor about it. I'm like, look, this is what's going on. Um, and he said to me, what do you want to do? I said, I don't want to do it anymore. And he said to me, you should talk to him face to face. And I was like, there's no way I'm doing this. Uh, I'm a rookie. This is a vet. Um, I just started implementing God being in my life. Um, and again, I'm talking about the, 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 the reality of a true transformation in Christ that we can all stand up and be bold and be who God has called us to be because if I can do it, anybody can do it. I truly, really believe that. And uh, uh, so we get to the city with San Antonio. We get to the city. Um, I'm in my room and I send him a text message. Hey, can I come over and talk to you? As soon as the bubbles pop up, I like break out in sweats because he's texting me back. And uh, I uh, says, yeah, come over. I get to his room and I'm like, listen, man, I've been really trying my best to do right by God lately. And I can't do this for you anymore. And there's like a long pause and he just breaks out laughing. Oh, man, don't worry about it. You good? You, I totally understand. I get it. But I still like stopped him. I was like, I need you to know I don't think I'm better than you. I'm not looking down on you. Like, this is just for me. I need to do right by God in my own life. And that same player, two years later, calls me on the phone because his wife's dad had died. And uh, um, he asked me to pray for him. And uh, um, one of the things that I thought about, I always think back about that story, was that um, in the moment of not, we, there is something about us that wants to be liked. We want to be accepted by the people around us. We want, to be, um, we want to be in the clique, and that's something that I've struggled with for the longest time. Um, but if people don't know what you're for and against, they won't know to come to you in their moment of need. And so if I have friends that are doing the same thing that I'm doing um, and something happens to me, I'm not going to go to them because they're in the same boat that I'm in. But if I know somebody who I know is trying their best to live for God, trying their best to do things the right way, in my moment of need, that may just be the person that I reach out to. And so that, I guess that's just, a, just something to tuck in your back pocket when it comes to your desire to stand up, your desire to be who God has called you to be, um, and let that be an encouragement to you. We can operate in bold faith that Peter does if we understand the enemy's devices, if we understand the enemy's goal is to lull us to sleep in today's culture and society. Um, it's something that I've just kind of been harping on um, when it comes to the stand, when it comes to what I'm doing with the Colvin Company. It's just trying to take back space um, that I believe the enemy has taken in our culture and our society today in the marketplace. Um, and I truly believe if there aren't alternatives for people to go to, the only answer is going to be to conform. And so um, with the book, again, it's just about putting on paper what a true transformation in Christ looks like. Um, the reason why I wrote the book was because after I had left the bubble, my pastor came over to my house and he said, you need to write a book. I said, why? He said, people know your stand, but they don't know your story. And to me, that meant people see you as this figure of boldness or courageousness in this moment, but they need to know how you got there. They need to know um, what you struggle with and how you've learned how to speak back to it, how you learn how to still get up on stage and share about it, even when you're terrified, um, and to do it anyway. And so um, 
being not ignorant of the devil's devices in our own lives, being able to take take account of where am I slipping? Where am I allowing the devil to take ground in my own life? Whether it be the music I listen to, whether it be what I watch, whether it be the conversations that I'm having, where can I better sharpen the lines and be decisive on who I am and who I want to be? Um, and that's the only way that I'm going to be able to get into the fight and get into the war that, that, that we're in. Um, and one of the things that I always go back to is Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Um, when we talk about faith, when we talk about believing God, there's literally one verse that I just love, and I feel like it's just a cherry on top of this conversation. It says, Daniel 3, um, 16 through 18, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King, ne- King Nebuchadnezzar, let that be culture, let that be society. Um, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us he would deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And one of the things that I think about is, as hard as that must have been for three of them, what would that moment have looked like if there was 50, if there was 100? And um, there's so many different people, diverse people in the room, but what bands us together is our faith. What bands us together is this cord of being united around our values and our principles and what God has done for each of us individually. Um, and we take up that mantle together. And so my, my charge to everyone in the room would be, again, to don't be ignorant to the devil's devices in your own life. Um, be vigilant about what culture is doing, what society is doing, how it's coming up against our children, how it's how it's, you know, the Bible says that Satan comes as an angel of light, um, but really he's not that. And we don't have to, we can, we can be wise as serpents and um, harmless as doves when it comes to the culture. It's not about hating anybody, not about going against things just to go against them, but it is about preserving what God has done for each of us individually in our lives and what we want God to do for us in the world. And if we're not the ones to stand up, then who will it be? And so I appreciate you guys. And I just want to, you know, in in Acts 4, it talks about how after Peter and John left prison, um, that they went back with the other believers and they prayed. They prayed for boldness. They prayed for the Holy Spirit to continue to fill them. It says even more um, people were added to the church that day and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to end with just a prayer um, that we would we would be the example to the world about what it looks like to come together and to be the bold men and women of faith that God calls us to be, because it is a command. Um, And one of the things that I said to the men last night was that saying, I want to be a bold man of faith is the same thing as saying, I want to be who God created me to be, because it's a command. God God commands us to be bold. He commands us to be courageous. And so to say, I want to be bold is just to say, God, make me into who you want me to be. And I I believe that God does have a purpose and a plan and he has overcome the world, but it is going to take us picking up that mantle, coming together and believing him in his word. if we're going to do this and do it right. I would encourage everybody, promise you, this is not a shameless plug. If you want tools, I can't go through everything, but if you want tools, tips, tricks um, to fight anxiety, to fight self-insecurity, to fight fear um, and to be on your way to becoming who God has created you to be, 
please grab why I stand. It's going to be out there in the foyer, but I do just want to pray um, for us all. Cool. Father God, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this evening. Um, God, in a world that's continuing to get darker and darker, um, us being willing and able to stand up for what we believe in is only getting harder, um, but it's only becoming more necessary. I pray, Lord God, that you would equip us, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us with the boldness necessary, um, with the mindset of uniting um, around the values and the principles that we hold dear, um, and you would equip us with the strength and the internal faith, like Peter when he was filled with the Holy Spirit and said what he said to the Pharisees, um, like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, Lord God, give us, give us a faith that comes from relationship with you that comes from knowing you and trusting you at your word time and time again, seeing you as faithful, Lord God. Let us, let us have the faith that says, even if you don't show up, even if we do get canceled, even if we do get kicked out, even if we do get shunned, even if we do get ostracized, you are still good. And even though we may lose family and friends with the world, we gain family and friends in your kingdom. And at the end of the day, this is not our home. You've called us to heaven. You've called us to glory. Um, but if we want to have the life that you've called us to have on earth, we have to put in work as well. Your word says that the harvest is plentiful. The people who, who need your love, who need your word, who need your strength, are, are, it's plentiful. But the laborers, the people who are willing to stand up, the people who are willing to put their neck out on the line, the people who are willing to fight are few. We cover each and every heart and soul under your precious blood in this room. Inspire boldness, inspire unity, inspire encouragement um, to every single believer. What would it look like, Lord God, if we walked out every single day with true belief that all things work together for the good and that we could do all things through Christ who strengthens us, that we wouldn't be afraid of what men can do to the body but can't do to the soul. Help us to honor you in our everyday lives. Help us to put down things, Lord God, that we have no business doing from the pulpit to the door. We repent of our sins, Lord God, both known and unknown. We ask for your forgiveness, your mercy, and your grace. And we pray that we would all be right with you today and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to take part in the Christians Working in Sports Conference next summer in Minneapolis, Minnesota, visit the CWS Conference website by clicking the link in the description of this podcast. Be sure to check back periodically for updates on dates, price, lodging, and more regarding the 2024 CWS Conference. If you like this podcast, be sure to catch new episodes of this podcast every other week on Thursdays at midnight Eastern time. Until next time, we pray that you will strive to be uncommon by glorifying the name of God in whatever you may do. See you next time.